Dr. Lock of the Triple X Trauma Crime Investigations and Galpal's production. On this podcast, we investigate the sick, the twisted, the traumatic, the perverted, and the downright weird. We'll tell you every single sick, gruesome detail in vivid color to satisfy your most perverse and animal natures. I'm your host, Jennifer Choke Billiards. And I'm your host, Catalina Bludgeons, a name I have grown to despise with every passing day. A little housekeeping. I am very hairy. I've let things really get out of control. A little housekeeping on my end. I'm currently bent over in a ruffly miniskirt, trying to find my uncle's glass eyeball. He lost the real one at the zoo, but he lost his glass one because I stole it from him. In our last episode, we honored Larry King, who had just passed away. But we had to delete the episode because the FCC was doing an audit on our show, and one of the proctors had a psychotic episode in response to it. I'm currently working on the beta version of a piece of software I developed which connects the user to women-powered restaurants so that they can use their bathrooms for group sex. I've noticed that Catalina and I have a strong tendency to solve the unsolvable and center women in our expressive stories. Which we realized was really wrong and sexist. So today, we're talking about something extremely solvable. Gay men. Gay men have invaded roller coasters, theme parks and have been buying up all of the cherry smoothies. This process is referred to as quote-unquote queering. If we've learned anything from ancient Roman and Greek cultures, it's that men are a dime a dozen. I noticed this recently when I was thinking about them lately. Catalina and I decided to do a deep dive into the meaning of queering and how to undo it. Before anyone gets mad at us, let's get a little few things straight. Hola. Then you're going to Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood, dog! Number one, I love cock. Number two, I am not gay. I love being fucked by men. Three, my cat is a fucking faggot, and I love him despite it. Four, I don't just use gay as an insult. I use it as a descriptor too. Five, the show Queer Eye for the Straight Guy offers such a funny look at a world run by psychopaths. Six, Will and Grace was so funny, but I wish that's where we left it, culturally. Now, on to the true crime mystery of the day, with a decidedly gay touch. Let's begin. Chapter 1. The Disappearance of David William Michael. So, this might be one of the most famous true crime cases known to man, because it was depicted in a Christina Milian music video. But, for those that haven't heard about it, we will explain the details, of course. And of course, also go into the details of the case that brings out the details of this case. Our story begins in 1999 in upstate New York in Hodgepodge, Vermont. David was a cybersecurity analyst at Eclair's Boutique, and he and his partner, Pucker, just one name, lived in the vibrant, stylish downtown area of Hodgepodge, New Mexico. In the 90s, downtown Hodgepodge was having a cultural renaissance, centered around the recent Jamba Juice location. Painters, sculptors, animators, and so many other artists flooded out of New York. Tempted by the Jamba Juice, they left behind a power vacuum that was later filled by terrorist organizations like Chup. Sorry, I was just meditating. Mm -hmm. Tempted by the Jamba Juice, they left behind a power vacuum that was later filled by terrorist organizations like Chipotle and Lenwich. The colorful downtown area had murals on every wall, depicting local heroes, like Bernadette Crimsey, the first woman to fall downstairs and shit herself in public. High-rise apartment buildings scraped the clouds. Some even went as far as high as four or five stories. The loft-like apartments were hip with gorgeous farmhouse aesthetics, Wild West-themed art, Edison light bulbs, leather chairs, and giant text art with phrases like coffee or wine. Each apartment was so, so ugly and tasteless. New restaurants started popping up. Thai, Fusion, and Mexican Fusion, too. One of my personal favorites from this era was Jethery's, a delightful eatery with outdoor seating and catering options, serving Greek food with a twist. 
Not to mention endless craft beer. My Achilles heel. That's so Greek of you. Mm -hmm. Jesseries has had two types of falafel. Traditional and bacon-based. The 32-year-old owner named Carl spotted mm, an illustrious mustache and suspenders and referred to every woman who passed through as madame. I relished killing him. But that's not where the urban and hip vibe ends. The entire town smelled like hops. Ow. And all the women started getting sailor tattoos up and down their arms. Not to mention, of course, also wearing red and white polka dot dresses and getting their cheeks pierced with gorgeous little, little piercings. The typical downtown hodgepodge uniform was a 1950s swing dress, a pearl necklace, compression tights, and a vape pen. The entire town went into a rockabilly trance, which flipped a switch in David William Michael. Here is a recording relocated of someone very, 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 very close to David, a barista from the Starbucks he would visit once in a while. Yeah, sure, I remember David. He would come in dressed like a fucking idiot. Distressed skin-tight jeans, oversized knockoff aviators, bright pink lip gloss, and side-swept bangs that he clearly took hours pressing. Smelled like a skunk-fucked a mummy at Bath & Body Works. Anyway, every day he would come in and order a double macchiato chai tea latte with fagaccino foam. Wait, sorry. I meant fragidito. Sorry. Fapapino. Pino Pino. Pinapino Pinachaccio Pinocchio Frappa Lapa 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 Mocha Chocolate Pina Colada Frappa Lapa Fago 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 Pino Pino Fag 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 of Rappuccino Me No Pino Pino Pina Frappa Lapa Mochady Pino Pin and P Pin and Poin and P Non Pom Pon P Pin Pin and Poin Pin and Pin Pino Impi Nin Pon and Pin on Indian and P and Poin and P and P Nino 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 and P Nin Pon and Pom Poin Pin and Poin O Pin 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 and Pin 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 Pino and Pion I Pin No and Pin Pino Ni P P Non and Pip Non Poin Pin Up Wow. That's so brave to honor essential workers by letting them speak for themselves. Don't you think, Jen? Catalina, I agree. Essential workers don't matter too much to me, usually. One time a guy asked me to fart on his face for $600. <laughs> I doubt that. Now, back to David's heartbreaking, if not a little bit disgusting, gay story. Right. Where we left off, he was probably getting endangering himself with risky sex. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> so we went to the source of the crime. Chapter 2. The Source of the Crime David's last known whereabouts were where he about was known, which was his home. What the fuck are you even saying? Speak English and be normal for once. He was last seen at his house. Th thanks for keeping me in check. I just get so heady in moments like this, thinking about love Shut and up. life and the way that- And when crime scene investigators from Discovery Channel's sexual crime forensic freak show showed up to his last known whereabouts, they were really turned on by what they saw. That's right. They saw Jennifer's ugly fucking outfit and matted disgusting hair, which was actually very thin and ugly because she's a dumb bitch. That's actually really scary to say, knowing my history with verbal abuse, both giving and receiving it. And the way you frame it, it makes it seem like you don't deserve it. Obviously. You and I both know that I am one crisis away from being sent back to that $40,000 rehab and reality show in Hawaii. So let's keep this professional. We don't want another 2008 on our hands, do we? 2008 pounds, more like it. Stop eating my fucking lunches. A lot to unpack there with your therapist next session. Anyway, let's move on. A lot of unpacking you did with my Cool Ranch Chex Mex Surprise Doritos with Honey Mustard Morsels. David William Michael, or whatever his name is, well, his last known whereabouts, paint a picture of gay life today. Mauve bed skirts lining the base of every piece of furniture. A custom ottoman in the shape of a butt plug. Gold gilded wine glasses holding votive candles that smelled of Katy Perry's most recent fragrance release. Eccentric accent pieces adorned the wall. A futile attempt at summoning a personality out of thin air. There was of course a running list on his refrigerator of all the most inspirational icons from the golden age of cinema. Ruth Smith, whose real name of course was Esther Estelle Ethel Garber Rosenblatt Hersham Goldberg Silverberg Bronzeberg Schatz. And nightlife icon Carla Hall. Investigators took in this complex crime scene, but could not glean any specific evidence about a motive for David's disappearance, or even that he had 
been taken by force at all. With little information, and yeah, like with little information, the producers at Discovery Channel sold all of his possessions in an estate sale for well below market rates and donated the money to the local urban outfitters, which was struggling with fending off unionizers. Police ruled his disappearance intentional and dusted their hands clean of it. Hodgepodge was under a lot of pressure to stay attractive to the young, new incomers, and they didn't want to rock the boat with a huge crime like this. When Jen and I got to this point in our reviewing of the public information, we knew there must have been something neglected. Some little nugget in the rough that I needed to put my two little front teeth on to pinch it out of the, into the fore. Yeah, some little jewel of essential info that was bogged down in the muck that I needed to throw my head and neck back into Bob and up, like for apples and so to speak. What a perfect way of expressing that. Thank you. Chapter 3. Where do we go from here? So, where do we go from here? From this point, we decided to go somewhere. Somewhere that every gay man goes to. Jail. It's a commonly searched term on Pornhub. Prison, jail, and so forth. Dungeon, etc. Gay men have very twisted relationships to their bodies and sexuality and desire to be punished. So we were certain that we would find stories about David in a place like this. Right. That's the scientific aspect of this part of the investigation right here. So we showed up to the closest jail that we were close to and asked the bouncer, Hi, do you know David? Here's what she had to say. We weren't getting anywhere. Every angle we were taking was pulling us down an ever more confusing maze of conflicting reports, shaky evidence, and flimsy facts. We were flabbergasted and befuddled. It was then and there that I remembered that after a few glasses of Zinfandel at my local Best Buy cafe, I had once felt like I was on the brink of a lesbian break from reality. And then, suddenly, I too remembered a lesbian attack that throttled me after watching a matinee of Bandit Like Beckham absolutely out of my mind on a Nalgene bottle full of warm margaritas and DMT. So we checked the next gayest place we could think of. Ourselves. Chapter four. Chapter four. Intuition. intuition. So basically there is an intuition. And it is really just usually like close to being right. I have like, like oh, oh, what? No, I was just saying that intuition is like basically it's close to being right. That I it is like that, very but... close to right, yeah. So I have cool. always known that I was psychic personally. When I was little, I used to read my mother's mind, which is actually what caused her to jump ship, so to say. My overcharged empathy allows me to not only speak to spirits, but to also like like no like no stuff. Mm. Like I just know, like I just know yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know so like I mean? we like we decided to go all out in a day of self care to really like prime ourselves for an intuitive experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Just to help us get right. Just to help like lo- sort of like lubricate the, yeah. the mind. Yeah. So well, okay, so here's our day at a glance. Eight AM. We meet up in Smithfield Village for a little Starbucks and shopping. Immediately I say, No no, let's get La Pam Cotidian. Mm. Intuition had already taken roots in this way. We sat at a communal table, which has always made me feel very grounded in the experience of psychic connection. Looking into the eyes of those sitting across from us, I could intuit that they were judging me. Perfect. I'm already starting to build telepathic momentum. After a round of delicious open-faced ham and chocolate madeleines, we sucked down our rooibos London Fog hot chocolates and immersed ourselves by playing previous episodes of our own podcast to the crowded diner. It was at this point that I downed a fistful of Benadryl and prepared myself for what was about to come next. 8.25 a.m., only 25 minutes had passed, but so much personal growth had been sprouted like a fertile little, I don't know, like a fertile egg or something mm, like that. Like yeah, an egg. Yeah. Like an egg that's um, fertile. fertilized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. followed was a deep dive into a brain bath by doing a little perusal of discount electronics at the office max. Whenever I'm around digital devices, I become extremely analytical. 11 p.m. We finally left office, ma- office max after taking a small nap in the office chair section. 
one chair for our heads, another for our feet. We slept like babies, cradled in the sterile embrace of an incubator. At a vibrational level, I was ready to resonate with any kind of extrasensory clue or divinity, if it should arise. <clears throat> Unfortunately, none did arise. And because we were watching HBO's True Blood at the time, we decided to order in a little American food and hunker down on the complex se second season. Chapter, Chapter 5. Where we go from here. So where do we go from here? At this point, we were starting to get mad. And when I get mad, I drink. And when she drinks, she gets brilliant. And when I get brilliant, I get violent. Before things got out of hand, we had one last Hail Mary in our back pockets. The internet. I inputted David's name, and as it turns out, he was an active user of LinkedIn. And so we sent him a message there. Hi, David. <laughs> My name is Catalina Bledgens, and I'm a true crime junkie. Legally, I am required to tell you that I do not possess the technical skill to handle evidence, even secondhand. But I want to let you know that there are people out here who are looking for you, and who want you home. Within minutes, he got back to us. We asked if we could record the conversation, but he wanted to maintain his anonymity. So, we had the conversation read by a couple of actors. Us. We've been auditioning a lot lately and becoming very good on screen and stage alike. Here's the conversation read by two actors in search of, but not in need of, management. Yes, Paula? Then you're going to Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood, dog! Hey, I'm David. Hey, I'm David. What's it? Wait, I'm reading oh. David. Oh. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Hey, hey I'm, I'm David. David. What? Oh, Excuse I thought you said me. I was David. And then that, okay, and that was the extent of the conversation. That was the extent of the conversation that we had with David. Why what did you David just write, yeah. Why did David write like a complete weirdo and idiot? So then we said, let's get on the phone and chat. Or are you scared of the sound of your own voice, you fucking fairy? That set him straight. Well, as straight as he could be. <laughs> Good one. Thank you. Just then I realized something. Wait a minute. David isn't missing. He's right here, on the other side of my Lenovo Smart Tech laptop. Then I started to get really sleepy because of my medical condition. And it was at this point that we decided to take a break for a few weeks to recuperate <laughs> from this trauma. Months later, we decided to really hunker down and get back into the mindset of the brilliant women we knew we have always, always are. <laughs> Chapter 6. The David Paradox. We realized we have found ourselves in the classic position. <laughs> Excuse me so much. Excuse me so much. Chapter 6. The David Paradox. We realized we had found ourselves in the classic position of a David Paradox. A David paradox is something we made up to describe basically like how we thought this was, this guy was. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry. We have to start chapter six over again. Let me yeah, take a yeah, sip yeah. of water, hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay, starting over. Chapter six, the David paradox. We realized we had found ourselves in the classic position of a David paradox. A David Paradox is something we made up to describe basically how we thought this guy was missing, but in fact, he was, he like wasn't. Exactly, and it's like a paradox because there's like such a, like there's such a kind of irony and like a bit of a complexity as well. Yeah, that's so true. And then I started eating my lunch of pasta and Sprite, and I asked myself, and of course, Catalina out loud, I said, should we kidnap David so that he is actually missing? And after I finished making my roasted red pepper hummus spinach wrapper and taking my first delicious wet bite, I spurted out my answer, of course. 
Now Catalina and I are not criminals. We do crime, but it does not define us. We are so much more than that. We dance, we live, and we live every moment. We share our lives with friends and our loved ones. We wish upon stars, we thrive each hour knowing that every day is going to be better than the last. And we just like live our lives as well, as like all of this as well. And so in conclusion, we kidnapped that gay guy and he's here right now. Do you have anything to say for yourself? <laughs> Yuck, I really badly want to execute him. I think that would be really merciful. Okay, here we go. Chapter 7, David's Death. I think we should do this, this section really like quick. If we can. I think so too. Even yeah, that's why. Even yeah. if it's like we're just like stumbling over the words. I think. Yeah, okay, great. Okay. Chapter 7, David's Death. Immediately after, I took my long ponytail and, like a 15-foot cattle whip, loaded up a massive cattail and swung it at him like my life depended on it. I noticed David was not breathing. With such a lack of spiritual fortitude, he did not last long. He was declared dead pretty much immediately by me and my team of virtual assistants. We dumped his body in a nearby canal where some vultures could have fun with it. Getting back to the community and to nature in this way was almost a too perfect ending to this already exceptional story of personal perseverance and intuitive brilliance. Unfortunately, as I shifted into third gear on my 1962 Volvo Explorer with XL 4 gear accelerators, I did in fact see him in my recently Windex rearview mirror that David was running up the hills on foot with a knife in his mouth. There was no way in hell I was going to get a scratch on my Volvo, so I hightailed it out of there. Faster, Catalina, faster! I ejaculated with desperation. Just then, Catalina flipped open the nitro switch on the dash and took the car in a matter of milliseconds from second to third to fourth to left fifth and onto ninth gear, going at least 300 miles per hour down the extremely narrow, winding residential road. The track shear gift on a Volvo Explorer is normally only capable of a B2 engine exhaustion propulsion unit. However, using my cunning and under Stitch's Vester, I was able to file down the fourth stage and whittled it into a point which allowed me to fit into the rear shift gun engine system that facilitates while wheel drive and breakneck speed. At this point, I was convinced we had shaken David from our tail. But I looked to my right, and there David was. Having caught up to us on foot, he was sprinting at an even pace with our Volvo directly parallel to the passenger side window. Oh, crikey, I mentioned. I turned to Jennifer and I said, Jen, I need you to reach into the glove compartment and get out the Roadmax Excel drive pump come Since I was 13, I've been ready to die. So whatever happened next was no different. I used my knee to bust the glove compartment open and immediately snatched the drive pump come water and intuited what Catalina needed next. I threw back the seat and did a backwards handspring out the top of the sunroof, latching myself onto the hood of the car, gripping the roof with my suction cup gloves. I crawled like a spider underneath the car, which was at this point going 650 miles per hour. To engage the drive pump come water into the Rector Moforce combustor, I did so flawlessly and shimmied my way back into the car. I took the car in a rapid 280 degree right turn, spinning the car in every one of three dimensions and I instantaneously lifted the car 150 feet into the air. With vertical and horizontal g-forces exceeding the lethal limit for over 10 seconds, I was scientifically dead as I loaded up my Motorola Razor and started playing a little Charlie XCX in order to enhance this phenomenon. I threw back my head in ecstasy as blue lightning shot my system and shot out my fucking eyes and I orgasmed 12 times simultaneously, experiencing each one in a parallel dimensional self. I was in fucking nirvana as the centrifugal force of the car spinning whipped the hair right out of my head. I was completely balded by this extreme experience. A 40,000 megahertz sound blast from Charlie XCX's latest viral single, Rocket, created a vacuum of matter, sound, and light. There was a 15 meter radius black hole, lasting nanoseconds as the bass rhythm on the song sterilized the local population for over 100 miles in every direction. The music perfectly matched the moment and I felt like such a superstar. At this point, I thought we were safe, but still, David was right there next to us. Hundreds of stories in the sky at an acceleration that almost sent us into orbit with the entire Earth. At this point, my limit break had been reached, so I did what any woman would have done. I used my special move. I reached under my side of the vulva and pressed onto my sacred sphere. Time slowed down and blinding white light shot out like a hot explosion from every angle. We were beginning our primal transformation. With both of our forms totally cloaked in light, psychic feathers encased us, the outline of that gigantic monstrosity became clear in the apocalyptic sky. After a moment of confusion for every single witness on Earth, a confusing but exquisite being emerged, with each of Catalina and I poised in various positions of our newly created joint form. 
Floating in the air of this shimmering opal orb of energy, Jennifer and I joined hands. Our nude and bald silhouettes elongated by the bend of the atmosphere, and we turned our heads simultaneously towards David. Our eyes glowed white hot, and the force of a thousand years of prophetic godly energy emblazoned on our eternal souls, and we focused our every electrode into defeating David once and for all. Every single planet in the universe lined up behind us in perfect synchronicity. An eight-sided sacred rune was carved using black hot fire in the now timeless sky, sending a prismatic phoenix shape of holy fire in all directions, carving the faces of each of eight sacred mythical deities. A precisely focused conjoined beam ricocheted off of every planetary body in the orbit of the sun and collided in a fantastic cosmic display. All of the history and future and present were bound together in this unbelievable show of dignity, grace, and divine femininity. Billions of rose petals sprayed out from behind us, and each one focused a shining pink or green laser directly at David. There was nowhere for him to turn in this threatening encasement of celestial energy. Feminine animals of every origin in ghostly silhouettes emerged with bright glowing eyes. They faced David in respect of his animal and to the sound both too low frequency and too high frequency to be understood by any living being, past, present, or future, David fell down and passed out cold. Our job here was done. Bye. Yeah, that's it. Bye. Yeah, bye.